Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about, and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being, we share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yep, exactly right. But we're not experts in anything we talk about. This is just a summary of what we found over the week. But hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you all, we can all learn just a little bit more about a whole bunch of different things. That's right, Liam. Let's get on with this week's topic, which is my choice. And it's all about the Rubik's Cube. Okay, Ollie, Rubik's Cube this week then. So last week was my choice when we learned all about duty free. This week, Rubik's Cube, you know, classic two guys, one topic from one thing to a completely other random thing. Yeah. Well, um, why did you pick a Rubik's Cube? I think it's one of those things that I know about, I think a lot of people will. We'll describe it in a minute for people if they're unsure. But yeah, I know what a Rubik's Cube is. I've not been able to do it. And I thought lately, I wouldn't mind being able to try and solve a Rubik's Cube. I thought that might be quite a good thing to, to try and do just to tick off. And I thought, where did it come from? Who invented it? What's it all about? And I thought, right, I'm not going to look into that. I'm going to wait and I'm going to save that to be Ollie's choice. Nice. Nice. Exactly the same as what I did. Yeah. As soon as you think about Googling something, I just save it for an episode of this. Yep, definitely. And then we have got a week to read and research all about it, which is pretty cool. What did you know about the Rubik's Cube? before you started don't want to brag on a thing but i can actually solve a rubik's cube <laughs> how However, long did that take how long did that take to get that in so i think i learned it during lockdown 20, 2020 you know i think i learned it then um i think my rep my best is two minutes and three seconds or something like that wow i'm sure i timed it but so i i i've got i I'm in Dubai and I had didn't have, so I had to buy one this week. I thought, I better, let's buy one. I'll see if I can reteach myself how to do the Rubik's Cube. So I was sitting in one of the classes I was teaching and all the kids came in. Sir, sir, what's your best time on a Rubik's Cube? Can you do a Rubik's Cube? You know, I'm like, well, I'm just relearning it. You know, at this point, like five minutes probably. Yes. You know, one of the kids though, one of those speed cubers, takes it off me straight away, smashes it out in about 30 seconds. So, <laughs> gee, yeah, gee woo if you're listening, well done. Because and he was trying to teach me like other moves, like how to speed myself up. But yeah, yeah it was bananas. It was just nice. like like a blur. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that it looks impossible to do, but actually, if you just put your mind to it, then um, then it is possible. So I thought it'd be a great topic for us to get into and learn about. But before we dive into Ollie's choice this week, we do have the listener choice to announce at the end of the episode, don't we? Yeah, so we've been running a couple of polls on our Instagram account. We had quite a few choices, actually, this week. So we had to run, like, three semi-finals or something before the final. Uh, so, yeah, so we do, we will announce it, uh, the winner of the Listener Choice episode, which, obviously, we're going to start rec- learning about straight after this. Nice. Thank you for all the suggestions that, that came in. Uh, some really interesting ones in there. Even a couple of ones that, if it if they don't win, maybe they might sneak into to next series, as we've had happen and- before. Uh, this is not a spoiler, but it isn't going to be Mexican cartels. And if I'm honest, that is something that we were hoping wouldn't win. <laughs> yeah. Given the, the grief we got from Hell's Angels, I don't know if we want to start messing with Mexican cartels. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So, but anywho, <laughs> let's get on with Rubik's Cubes. So, 
feel free, Ollie, to give an explanation of what a Rubik's Cube is then. So, there yeah, can't be many people. There can't be many people that don't know what this is. There might be. There might be some people that they just need to jog their memory about what a Rubik's Cube looks like. And it is a cube. So you've got six faces on a cube. It's made up of 26 smaller cubes that then make up the one big cube. When you buy it, it's got six solid colored faces and it's set into different rows. So you then, when you buy it, the whole aim is that you unscramble the cube and then the whole fun part of it is that you're then trying to put it back together and make it back to a cube with solid colors again. Yeah, as you look at it, as you look at it, you might see, say, like there's nine little squares on one face, nine whites, and then there'll be nine oranges, nine greens, nine reds, nine blues, and nine yellows. And at one point, they're all together in one, you know, the whole face of the cube um, is the same color. And then you jumble it all up until it all looks completely different. And then your job is to get it back to looking more like what it looked like. And if we take off from um, when I told you about this topic last week, that this is going to be my choice, you said to me, right, the first thing I want to know is how many combinations are there to try and solve it. And it turns out that this this is an absolutely mind-bogglingly big number that we're talking about. You just it, it, so so there are forty three quintillion possible combinations. Let me read the number two quickly. This is the official number: four three two five two oh oh three two seven four four eight nine eight five six zero 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 combinations of a standard <laughs> three by three by three. Rubik's cube. So, uh, forty-three quintillion is forty-three followed by eighteen zeros. So, uh, a mind-bogglingly big number. That that is absolutely nuts. And I think one of the things I was looking into today, and I, I was going to have this as my two guys one topic takeaway. Do it. Do it now. Just trying to simplify that. What you reckon? Do it now. Do the two guys one topic takeaway early this week. Yeah, because mine's the same. I wanted to know how big that number was. So I wonder if yours is the same as my one. Uh, okay. So super simply, like one way of looking at it is that there are more positions and combinations on a Rubik's Cube when you're trying to solve it than all of the grains of sand on all of Earth's beaches. Does that help? <laughs> Does that help? Also, another up. way that I, I read about is that if you were to spend a trillion pounds a day, it would take you 118,000 years to get up to 43 quintillion. Okay, my takeaway then. So there's no takeaways at the end of this episode because we've obviously gone the same route. So I'll do mine as well, right? So 43 quintillion is the combinations, right? If everybody on the planet had a Rubik's Cube and and could, could arrange their Rubik's Cube differently every second... It would take 174 years to hit the uh, like 43 quintillion. If everyone on the planet was doing one a second, it would take 174 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, crazy. I, I had another um, one around, around about being a second. If you managed just to turn the Rubik cube once every second, it would take you 1.4 trillion years to go through all the permutations. But... The universe has only been around for 14 billion years. So even if you started at the Big Bang, you'd be nowhere near finished trying yeah. to do all yeah. the combinations of a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, 1%. I actually worked that one out. That's 1% of like, you'd be 1% done. 
if you'd started since the beginning of time. <laughs> That's not something. There's one more. There's one more. If you took a piece of paper and started stacking paper on top of each other, right? Just pieces of paper. A piece of paper is like 0.1 millimeters thick. If you started stacking a piece of paper on top of each other, right? By the time you stacked 43 quintillion pieces of paper on top of each other, you'd get all the way to Pluto and back again about 400 times. <laughs> so I don't know if that helps anybody trying to point is, how big this number is. The point is there's blimmin' loads of them. Um, yeah, there's lots of them. It, it's to do with, I won't go into it, it's to do with the fact that all the corners, there's lots of corners and they can all be rearranged. Like there's eight spots the corner can go in, but each of those can go in three different ways. And then all the edges can go in 12 different spots and they can go two different ways. And by the time you multiply up all those numbers, you end up with this massive number. But I won't go into the math because it's a bit complicated. No, that's, yeah, nice. So where did it come from? How did it all start? It's got an interesting story. I wasn't aware about any of this, um, but it actually originates from 1974. There was a young Hungarian architect called Erno Rubik. And he, yeah. he was the one who, who invented it. Rubik with a K though, right? R-U-B-I-K. When we say Rubik's Cube, it's not R-U-B-I-X, which is a common way of spelling it, to be fair. It's actually R-U-B-I-K. Yeah, R-U-B-I-K apostrophe S. So it belongs to Rubik, Rubik's Cube. which Yeah, Erno Rubik. Yeah, Erno Rubik, which is pretty good. And he, he, was, a, um, he was a lecturer, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was an architect or something at one point, like a designer, and he sculpted things. And then eventually, yeah, he, he, he was a professor, and he taught something called descriptive geometry, which is where he wanted students to use two-dimensional images to solve three-dimensional problems. So in trying to help his students come up with a way of showing them three-dimensional problems, he started messing around and, and ended up with this Rubik's Cube. And he started with, like, little blocks of wood, and he was gluing them and sellotaping them and paper clipping them and rubber banding them together so that it would move around and it would it would it would be a 3D sort of puzzle that would change and he you know to try and show it to the students, which is hard to do. What he wanted is he wanted a a single cube that could then have independent cubes being able to move, but they're all joined up to one big cube. That was what he yeah. was looking to achieve which describes the Rubik's Cube pretty well. Um, but as you said, yeah, trying to hold it together with rubber bands and glue and, and paper clips and stuff to begin with until he managed to actually come up with a way of having this wooden block. And it was a bit confusing because it wasn't all different colours to begin with. It took him a little bit of a while to then think, actually, I'm not really able to follow what I'm doing here. And then he then actually decided to give all of the colours their big, bold, independent colours. And obviously he hasn't got an ego because he didn't call it the Rubik's Cube to begin with, did he? No, what did he call it to begin with? Well, I, I didn't Google the phonetic way of pronouncing this. It's called the Magic Cube, but in Hungarian, Bivosh Kulka. <laughs> I, I think know. that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, um, I listened to how it's pronounced in Hungarian. I think we'll go with that. That sounds pretty good. So just in case anyone missed it, what was it? Uh, the the Bosch Coca, nice. I don't know. It's something like that. <laughs> so we've got we've got Erno Rubik. He's invented this cube, 
and he keeps it to himself to begin with. He realized that he's got something here. It's called the magic cube. And at first he wasn't able to complete it. He wasn't able to unscramble it and scramble it back together again. And it took him over a month to do it, but he holds a pretty amazing title of being the first person ever to complete a Rubik's cube. No, a magic cube at this point. So he eventually, eventually a Hungarian toy company produced like a couple of thousand of them. But at this point in the late 70s, this is, I think it's 77 or 78, in the late 70s at this point, exporting them and mass producing them is not really going to happen. And he, you know, he's not going to get any as many sales as perhaps he could. So he ended up going to a toy fair, didn't he, towards the end of the 70s or, or maybe even 1980, Nuremberg Toy Fair in Germany? Yeah. So because at the time, Hungary was still under Soviet rule, so it's still run you know, as a communist state, and it wasn't where they you know, were in favour of people having you know, commercial enterprises on their own. So it, it struggled to get off the ground. But he made small numbers of them, didn't he? He made a few thousand, and instantly people quite liked it, and they started to show their friends. Like There wasn't any advertising that happened, but it grew more and more. And then, yeah, went to this toy fair in Nuremberg, um, and it seemed to take off from there. Yeah, basically, yeah, he struck a deal with a toy company called Ideal Toy, the uh, Ideal Toy Company, and um, yeah, they took it over to America, agreed to pr- pr- produce it. Actually, they could trademark his name because Rubik is, is such a like a unique name. They were like, yeah, okay, we can trade trademark this. They said we should rename it, so they actually named it the Rubik's Cube. Um, but they had a they had a slight problem. They had all these toys in like early eight like nineteen eighty that they were trying to sell, but nobody could solve it. So trying yeah. to sell it was really hard because how do you smash up or not smash up? How do you mix up this Rubik's cube and then tell everybody to solve it? But no one can solve it. So why is <laughs> anyone going to buy it? Because they'll be like, we can't solve it. And trust me, it's really fun. Trust me, it's really fun. This thing that you can't do. <laughs> yeah. So they had to um bring him to America, basically, didn't they, from Hungary? to go around, you know, to other toy fairs and toy shops and things like that and, and show that this is the Rubik's Cube, this is my cube, uh, it can be solved, here's how you solve it. And off there, they, they sold actual millions within, like, no time at all, didn't they? Yeah, so so 1980, it's then properly being marketed and sold and um, is out there. And within the first three years, they sold 100 million cubes worldwide and they reckon that there was also another 50 million of those that were counterfeit so already people are trying to make um you know their own versions of it but yeah 100 million within the first three years that's crazy and then since then which maybe we should have started with they've sold a lot more than that though haven't they they've sold nearly half a billion rubik's cubes and a rubik's cube is the most popular toy in the world yeah yeah, get get your head around that. that. Something that wasn't even meant to be a toy to begin with. Something that he was just trying to show his students, like this concept of these smaller blocks within this bigger block, then ended up being the yeah best-selling toy in the history. Yeah. So how did it get popular though? Like, because because it's still popular, right? It's still popular now. They they think they might sell twenty about you know twenty million this year. 20 million, like surely everyone's got one by now, but why is it still popular? <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny that you're saying everyone's got one. I've got one in front of me now, but I don't think my cube is correct because I've been trying to solve it. 
and I can't, so I bought a new one because I think it's the cube. I think the stickers have been taken off and put back on wrong uh, from maybe. when I was younger. So yeah, maybe maybe people are buying new ones again if they've broken their old ones. But part of the reason why it became so popular is it was that that human instinct, that innate human side of us where we want to try and solve this problem that's put in front of us and then be able to tell other people that you've done it. So it was this 1980s phenomenon, wasn't it? Yeah, it's also yeah, a couple of other things I was reading. It's the fact it's so compact and portable means it's easy to pick up. You know, you can take this with you. It's also like we said, there's so many different combinations that you're never going to solve the same one twice. It's just like I'm sitting here now messing around with this one. Now, when we finish this podcast, I'll complete it because I can. But it'll be it will never be done again. Like no one will ever do this cube again because there's so many combinations. This this messed up one will never exist. No one's going to have this one. Yep. Unless yeah, yeah, they yeah. choose to make it look like this. Yeah. Um, and so it's that, yeah. that mystery of it. And then it just makes it addictive. And then we'll get onto it a little bit later. People then realize maybe about timing themselves to then complete yeah. it quicker. And then if you can try and do something quicker, then you'll obviously do it again. And then you'll tell your friends that you've done it quicker. And then it gets that competitive uh, element going to it. But it was really popular at the beginning of the 80s. There were some 50 books that were written and published describing like how to solve the puzzle. None of them came from Erno Rubik himself. They were all okay. by, from other people. And there was one done by a 12-year-old English schoolboy in 1981, which was called You Can Do the Cube. And it sold 1.5 million copies. It's pretty cool, wow. isn't it? If you're that 12-year-old boy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was... It was, yeah, so it was funny. It, was, it like reached like a peak of popularity, sort of in the a peak in the 80s, but then it dropped off again, didn't it? it? It did drop off until around the time, we say this quite a lot, until around the time of sort of the internet coming about. Yeah. And it just sort of spiked the popularity again. There's all these sort of, you know, all these people that are solving it have now got an outlet and they can, you know, there's all these posts online and how do I solve my Rubik's Cube faster? And, and it, it sort of picked up a following. It was in like music videos and TV shows and films and, you know, adverts and things like that as they become more popular. And it, it just sort of spiked back up again, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we were saying, yeah, nearly half a billion of these cubes have been sold globally. And Erno Rubik, he's done pretty well out of it himself. He's now got a net worth of $100 million. So fair play to him. What a great invention. Yeah. Still alive as well, isn't he? Like, yeah. he's, he's still, you know, it's not, it didn't happen loads and loads of years ago. He's still alive. Yeah. And that's all all through the royalties of it that he then got. So when he was working with that that toy toy company, um, and then yeah, I was reading that it then got sold as well not too long ago. So that in 2020, there's a company called Spinmaster. They acquired the Rubik's Cube brand for $50 million, which is pretty good going, isn't it? I reckon that's cheap though, isn't it? If they're selling like, millions and millions a year 50 million doesn't seem like a lot of money i don't know i mean it is a lot of money obviously but <laughs> you know that's anyway so we the one thing we didn't want to talk about we'll have a go though shall we how you're is it talk about together? it are you you're not you're not actually like, going to talk about the one thing we don't want to talk about no because I, I just don't know how to explain it without a video <laughs> I, it's, it's really hard how, how is it stuck together how is it how does it work 
what does the inside of the cube look like? That's <laughs> one of the things that I was, I was, I know we both were wondering about. What does it actually look like? What's like the the structure of it internally for it to to then end up the way it is? I think one of the things when we were saying earlier about what does the cube look like, and it's got its six different faces, and it's got those colours on each side. There's a core in the in the centre of the cube, isn't there? And it's got some little arms coming off it, where there are six cubes that they don't change colour. They don't move. They're, they're fixed yeah, the, in position, the aren't they? Yeah, yeah, the middle the middle cubes on your Rubik's Cube will always be the same, like opposite each other. White will always be opposite yellow, and green will be opposite blue. Red will be opposite orange, always. And if you pull all the other cubes apart, those six core ones are sort of stuck to like a like a cross thing, aren't they? They're all like that, that doesn't move. That is that is solid. Yeah. Is that I know, is it fair to say like that's the axis that everything else then moves around? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the end the middle ones, they can rotate, but they don't move anywhere. And then then the rest of the cubes are sort of held together by each other, aren't they? If you imagine loads of people getting in a circle and putting their arms around each other, like the corner cubes are sort of hooked onto the edge cubes with like I don't know how you'd explain it. Like, however they're made, like the inside plastic bit, they all hook onto each other. So yep. they all, they hold each other together and then they can rotate around each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think the easiest thing for us to do is we'll put up a picture on our Instagram at Two Guys One Topic. Pe people just to go along there and have a little look and we'll show you what the inside of our Rubik Cubes look like because um, it's a lot easier. Picture says a thousand words sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, and we're gonna have, we're not gonna have enough words to explain it. So, no. can't explain how it works. Also, this is gonna be hard as well. How do you solve one? Well, <laughs> yeah, come on then, Charlie. Big potatoes. You've been giving it all the lemons. Let us know then. I can actually solve it. So, what? Should I just stop talking for this part? Do you want me to so solve it right now? Well, <laughs> I, if I just go quiet for two minutes and three seconds, I might solve it. No, so I, I've learned to solve it like the beginner method. You know, you watch some, you, there are so many videos and tutorials about how to do this. I went with the easiest one. Essentially, right, solving a Rubik's Cube is all about learning something called an algorithm. It's like a set sequence of moves that moves a particular piece to another position. Yes. So you learn a particular, if I want, like, for example, if I want the top left one to go in the bottom right position, there is a move that will do that if I've learned the move. The problem is there are hundreds of moves, yes. hundreds of algorithms to learn to move this one there and this one there. So I learned some very simple ones and, and uh, yeah, I've learned how to solve it. But I think you, you can at least explain the steps, can't you? I'm sure you've found that out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think a critical part of it is just your mindset to begin with and just having that perseverance that you can actually solve it. So it is difficult, but it's one of those things. It's difficult when you don't know how to do it. And there've been different methods for solving it over the years. And they've been sort of refined in different ways of approaching it where people have thought of a better or quicker way of doing it. The, the most popular one that people use I think you would have been following this one, Liam. The beginner's one sort of mixed with the, the CFOP method, which C that's, pop, yeah. that stands for you doing a cross. So you do you do a cross at the top. You have your, your yellow centre and you get four white squares around the edge of your yellow centre. So you start with the cross, you get that in place. Then you start to do your, your corners. You turn them white as well. 
And then you then start to solve the middle layer. And I was reading that this middle layer is arguably the hardest step. And it says you need to remember two eight-step algorithms. So where you were saying that you you then memorize different algorithms, you know, you've got a half turn is one step. So you've got to remember two different eight-step algorithms. That sounds like some, you know, you've got to dedicate some time to it, haven't you? Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts how many different ones there are and how many different moves you've got to remember. And, um, you know, it's a bit like chess, isn't it? You've got to think a, lot, a, a bunch of steps ahead, particularly, you know, if you're trying to solve it quickly. But, yeah, I mean, I've got it here in front of me. Uh, I've started by getting the white bottom. So you start by you start by getting across, then you get to the white bottom, you, and then you try and solve or I try and solve it one layer at a time. But, yeah, the, the, the really fast ones, they will try and solve two layers at the same time and that is where the that's where the speed comes in that i've written crucial for speed if you can try and solve the both of the bottom layers in one go but like i said when this this kid in my class was solving it i was trying to ask him what on earth are you doing like how do you how do you know what you're doing and he yeah. tried to show me a quick way of doing like the last step so i got to the last step of my cube and i was like right, i know what i'm doing now can you speed me along show me something i then tried it didn't work he was oh no sir at this point there's like eight different ones and the one i showed you only worked for the one you gave me but but now it doesn't work for this one <laughs> like, oh, so I've learn, like that took me five minutes to remember the algorithm you just told me it's about 10 moves <laughs> so yeah so, there's a there's a whole bunch of different algorithms to learn different methods so yeah that the cfop is the one that seems to be super popular now there's another one called the rue method as well um, that was popular with with uh, Cubas, but that seems to be used less and less now. There was another method called the Petrus method. That was just by a guy called Lars Petrus, and he came up with this method of emphasis of emphasizing focusing on two blocks at a time, a two by two block cube, and then expanding it to um, to to more cubes. So there's there's different ways of then trying to to solve it. But over the years, people have been refining the way that you can then solve it to then become quicker and quicker. And this is where we then move into sort of talking about how you got some of the speed cubers and how quickly they can do it is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Speed cubing is like, should we, what's the world record? How quickly can someone solve a Rubik's cube? Quicker than what I'm just about to finish this sentence. It's 3.13 <laughs> seconds. They'd have done it. They'd have done it already. 3.13 seconds. And that was by uh, yeah, 21 year old, called Max Park, and he's pretty incredible in the world of Rubik's Cube. He holds all sorts of records. Yeah, so we haven't actually mentioned at this point that, yeah, there's there's more than just a 3 by 3 cube, isn't there? Yeah. So you can get 3 by 3 by 3 4 by 4 by 4 5 by 5 obviously, 6, 6, 6, 7, 7, 7. Have you seen them, by the way? Have you actually seen what they look like? Yeah, they're a bit strange looking, aren't they? Yeah, like, how do you even begin to do... Like, I mean... You don't know how to solve a cube, obviously. But how do you even begin <laughs> to solve the like? Yeah, crazy. But yeah, Max Park holds the record for three by three, four by four, five by five, six by six, seven by seven. Um. So when they speed cube as well, they don't they don't necessarily do a single go, do they? Like in the world, so they have world championships, speed cube and world championships, and um, when they time them, they actually have to do five cubes. Well, there's there's different. Take, there's different titles that they compete for. So there is just a, uh, yeah. so there is just a, a one cube fastest complete. Okay. Fastest solve, which we're talking about. That's the 3.13, which is 
it's pretty cool to say that you hold the fastest time to complete a single cube, but part of that's dependent on how mixed up the cube was when you got handed it. Yeah. In the first place. So if you've got a slightly easier solve than somebody else, then it could be slightly quicker. Whereas I think the more prestigious title to hold is the average solve time. Yeah. So that's where they take five goes at it and they take they they lose your quickest and your um, fastest and they take your middle three and they work the average out of those middle three, um, which I think seems fair. They do that in athletics, don't they? I think in things like that as well. That's like a, a method of doing things. So, yeah. Do you know what is the, the fastest average solve then? Yeah. So in June 20, uh, sorry, June 20, 19th and 20th of June this year, 2023, a guy called Wang Yang broke the record for the average solve of 4.48 seconds. So their time, so they take five times, they were 4.72, 4.72, 3.99, 3.95, and 5.99. So they disregarded the, the quickest and the slowest, and then the average of his three middle ones is 4.48. Who was that? Who did that? Wang Yang. Do you know how old he is? <laughs> no. He's nine years old. What? That can't be true. I have a hand big enough. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, yeah, he's nine years old. Fair play to him. Nine years old is mental. Like, how are their fingers even able to hold a Rubik's Cube? Because like, it, how big is it? We haven't said how big it is. It's in your hand big, isn't it? It's like, imagine, I don't know, is it bigger than like loads of dice? Is each square like a dice size? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, like it's like a cricket ball size or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like tennis ball. If my my boy was holding it, it would be really big in his hand. Like, how are you flinging it around that fast? So interestingly, one of the things that speed cubing has done is it's got quicker and quicker. Partly because people understand it better and they practice more, and people are trying to break these records. But it's also because the the actual mechanics of the cubes have improved over the years yeah. as well. Yeah. So the one that I'm yeah. holding is a pretty old school. I reckon this is from the '80s. This one, it's got uh, really really clunky mechanics. It's you know it's not very smooth moving at all, and it doesn't easily click into place when you yeah. when you move it. But what the new ones, you can buy them for a couple of quid, a Rubik's cube. But the speed cube ones, they are the mechanics on them are super smooth. They move super easily, and they even have little magnets in the corners to then help ensure that when they then snap into place, they then stay into place. Yeah, because when you speed cube, so we you've got a you've got this mat on the table, don't you? Called a it's called a tap mat or something. I can't remember the name of it. Maybe a tap mat. Stat mat. That's it. And um, you've got to solve the cube. You've got to put the cube back down. But obviously you're solving it so quick that that the cube is sometimes not completely I can show you on the camera, like everyone listening can hear me, like can see this. Uh, it's not quite all put back together, is it? It's like slightly wonk. And obviously these magnets help it to click itself back into position. Because yeah. if it's too wonky, they're disqualified. Or the, the, the one doesn't count. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, a, an obvious penalty that a regular penalty that they give for things like that is like a two-second penalty, which obviously ruins your, yes. your time if you then get that. And, but I um, think... We haven't mentioned that. They're also only allowed 15 seconds, aren't they, to look at the cube. So the cube starts under like a like a pot, so they can't see it. It looks like a cup. Imagine a cup upside down covering the cube. Yep. They take the cube off, 
the people can they can look at the cube, but they've got to start within 15 seconds. So it's got they've got 15 seconds from when the cup comes off. They look at it, work out all their algorithms, and then off they go. And yeah, it's it's crazy. I've got a, a list of the world records, like and how are you talking about how they how the records have sped up over time. Yeah, yeah. Go on then. So, what does that look like? So you were saying then that the world well, the world record Max Park's world record now 3.13 or whatever it was. He's broken the world record, but that world record previously had stood for five years. Yeah. But then, and then you go back in time, back and back in time. At one point, there was two and a bit years. The world record was seven seconds, 7.08 seconds in about 2010. So did, do you reckon did, at that point, everyone's like, never going under seven yeah, seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you reckon they're all thinking, can't get under seven seconds? That's impossible. Yeah, but then then it, I've got it in front of me. One, two, three, four, five, six. It was broken seven times really quickly. It must be like the four-minute mile. Like yeah. once everybody knows, it can happen. They're like, you know what I mean? They're like, whoa, <laughs> this is totally doable. Other crazy records that you get with it, when you start looking into um, Rubik's Cube records, is you've got the blindfolded one. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so if you think, so somebody who's got 15 seconds, they up to 15 seconds, they look at a cube, and then they get blindfolded and then they solve it. So as we were, you were mentioning then, they're clearly thinking of the next steps that they're going to have to do where it will then move all the colours like out of position from what they saw it as it began with. And they memorise what it is they need to do, blindfolded, and then complete it. And the fastest time of doing that is 12.78 seconds by it's, someone called Tommy Cherry. It, it's so crazy to think about. Like... You've got a cube, right? What, right, you can remember what it all looks like. Uh, you know, people can learn how to do that quite quickly. But they've then got to learn, once they've done their first move, all, they're all now in a different position. And they've got to know what that looks like to then want to know what the next move is. But they're, they're like, you know, how many moves are they making? They, you know, 25 moves, 30 moves. Like, how are they remembering this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then there's a bit of an odd record which won't ever be broken now because it's now been removed from the competition. Uh, from when they have these these world championships, but the soft, the fastest three by three solve with feet. Ah. <laughs> that was done in 2019, and it was 15.56 seconds by Mohammed Kohli. 15.56 seconds with their feet. What about the one on a two by two cube? Have you seen that one? That's well <laughs> funny because the two by two cube is like pretty small. Okay, so there's obviously not a lot of moves required. The world record is 0.4 something seconds. It's like, it's so fast. <laughs> no, I like that. But they, they are wondering now, can a three by three by three cube ever get under a sub three second? Well, so who knows? Who knows? Is it like physically possible for a human to do it? Because you can have robots can do it. So robots can, can do it much quicker than humans can. But could a yeah. human actually ever make it? translate quicker than that so this is interesting because if a human was efficient enough and could work out everything then they could because have you, you told me to look at this something called god's number they called it yes so god's number is is the the minimum number of moves needed to solve any rubik's cube yep and google had to run their supercomputers on this they, and they they've they, you know they threw bajillions and millions of combinations of Rubik's cubes in 
And it, the, the computer could work out the most efficient way of solving it, which humans can't do. And it worked out that you could solve, if you knew all the moves and you knew the most efficient thing to do, you could do any Rubik's Cube in 20 moves. Yeah, 20 moves or less. Every Rubik's Cube can be solved. Which obviously we, it, it can work out everything. It can work out any possible move at any possible point and it can work out the most efficient one to do. Humans can't do that. And it, I mean, they probably could, but not quick enough. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just we just can't compute that many permutations to then do it in the most efficient way. But yeah, so yeah, Google put its computing power behind it. It's interesting that there's a. They've then worked out how many combinations there are per attempts to then solve it within nineteen goes. Attempts to then solve it within eight goes. Attempts to then solve it. Yeah. Okay. Moving moving it just from you know just one flick around the top. That's one move. Yeah. How many of those are there? And so it's, um, yeah, it's quite, quite interesting. The table gets pretty massive. And the, the rules that we were saying about with the speed cubers, so they, they have it randomly mixed up by somebody else, don't they? Yeah, they have a computer randomly, randomly generates a mixed up enough Rubik's Cube. And then someone has to scramble it into that position. And then they're up ready to go. But that that random one, like you're not going to sit in the world championships and accidentally have an almost finished Rubik's cube, and then suddenly do it in yeah. half a second. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. The computer, the computer picks one that has enough moves. I'm pretty sure. I think it's at least 25 turns that the scramble will have for anyone within um, within the the world championships. And this is all done like all, all regulated by something called the World Cube Association. Okay. So, um, yeah, they're, they're the, the people that run this. We did have Red Bull try and come in for a short time. They tried to take over the Rubik's Cube game. They tried to um, hold their own Red Bull World Cup, and they were offering some decent prize money of up to $30,000 for people to win. Um, but they seem to have faded away again now. Yeah, they do. So they do the World Championships are every two years, every odd year, um, typically in July, about the second weekend of July normally so the the one this year they actually had one this year in uh south korea and in 2025 if you want to go it's in seattle on the 3rd of july you might be going you might be competing at this rate well you know well who's to say you know i probably could you know i can solve a rubik cube <laughs> um i'm gonna make it liam by the wrap-up episode in two weeks time that i'll be able to tell you that i've solved a rubik's cube have you have you seen some of like the the future Rubik's cubes? Then some of the stuff they're bringing out, like to you know, they got to keep everybody. I, I mean, they don't have to, I guess. They're selling enough Rubik's cubes, but there are some other ones. Oh yeah, because you can get ones like you can get ones like pyramids, can't you? They've got pyramid ones, and yeah. like we were saying, five by five and six by six. And they've got a couple I read though. Oh, I watched some videos of actually. One's called the Rubik Impossible, which is a standard three by three by three Rubik's cube, but it's iridescent. So it changes color depending on how you're looking at it. So although you might think you've got all the yellows in one place, in a different light, actually you've got a bunch of yellows and blues and oranges and not all the yellows. Nice. Yeah, like, that, that'll mess with your head a bit, won't it? And there's another one called the Rubik's Phantom, which is like the whole thing's black. And when you touch it, you like you warm it up, you can see the colors. You know, like when you used to have color changing t-shirts or, or something, you know, yep. like under heat, the colors come out. But obviously as you're solving it, it cools down and the colors disappear. So the gimmick is, can you solve it fast enough before the colors disappear and you don't know what they are? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. There, um, I was reading about some of the misconceptions that people have about Rubik's Cubes as well, or just some of the things that, that aren't true about it that were quite okay. interesting. So one of them being that just because you can do a Rubik's Cube, 
doesn't mean that you've got a high IQ. Like there's, there's no correlation there between the two. Like you can just okay. learn to do a Rubik's Cube and not necessarily be really good at maths or have a high IQ. But there is some sort of co- coincidence there that that then gives people that misconception. Yeah. Simple things like you don't, as we said earlier, you don't do one side at a time. So this is where you've got that method yeah. of doing that daisy on top. You're not doing that that one side at a time to do it. Um, yeah. And then also some people are thinking that you're just unscrambling the scramble that was done in the first place. You just go backwards to then get yourself okay. back to the start, the original position, which obviously isn't true because of all those combinations that we were talking about. Um, and yeah, a lot of people think it's actually impossible when it obviously isn't. It's not a magic trick. You just need to learn, learn what you're doing. So you're then able to to do it. And I quite like that, Liam. You and I just casually sitting here now and you just managed to show me the cube that was in your hand at the start of the episode, which was muddled up. Uh, and now it's looking like a pretty good, solid cube. Mate, I was just going to keep this till the end, but you'll see this Rubik's Cube is completed. Okay. <laughs> While I was talking, I was doing it. So if I went a bit quiet in the middle, it's because I was right at the end and I was just trying to remember the last <laughs> bit. <laughs> I was like, what, what am I doing? What's the algorithm here? <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. I love that. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, but that is solved. Um, but we, we haven't got a takeaway though. We've got well, no takeaways this week. We accidentally told them. I mean, I've got another fact I can drop as a pretend takeaway if you want. Yeah, go on. Tell us your, your pretend takeaway. World record for solving it, jumping out of a plane, 32 seconds. <laughs> yeah, didn't he have to do it before his parachute, before he pulled his parachute yeah. as well? So, yeah, well. I read in an interview or something, he said something like, you know, it's so it's easy doing it on the floor, on the ground, but 32 seconds while you're falling 130 miles an hour is pretty stressful. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, just just my my one that I was saying earlier, and just to remind everyone that the number of combinations is 43 quintillion, and that's 43 followed by 18 zeros. There are more combinations to solve it than there are grains of sands on Earth's beaches. Yeah, so if you've got a randomly jumbled up Rubik's Cube and I've got a randomly ru- jumbled up Rubik's Cube, there is practically a 0% chance they're the same. Like, not practically, it is zero, I would say. Uh, so, yeah, you're never going to have two the same, which is, wow. like, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Although I did see Darren Brown solve one once, and then he solved it to make it look like another one. Like, so he had two exactly the same. I don't know if that was a trick or not, though. Because, if it's Darren uh, Brown, it probably is, I reckon. I reckon. But go on, anyway, what do you reckon? What do you make of that as a, a topic for us to cover? Mate, that, that's a, yeah, it, very interesting. I like that. Like that a lot. I can't believe how many combinations there are. I, I think it's, you know what I'm going to remember the most. It's not called Rubik's with an X. It's yeah. after a guy called Rubik. Yeah. Erno Rubik. Yeah, I no Rubik, idea. It, it's his cube. Came from Hungary, and that there was yeah this this one guy Rubik. The cube belongs to him. Rubik's cube is uh, is the guy who invented it. Fair play to him. And it was never really designed to be a toy, even though it's now the most successful toy sold ever. So we'd better tell everybody what next week's topic is then, haven't we? Which is the Listener Choice episode. Yes. Yeah, looking forward There's to this. no so surprise. Just to remind everybody, we do at the end of each series, Liam's Choice, Ollie's Choice, and then a Listener Choice. So yeah, thank you for all the suggestions. If you're listening now, and we've already gone past when the, the live Listener Choice is going to happen, yeah, don't worry. Send us another message now. We always keep hold of them until the end of the end of the series where we can then... Um, put them together in our polls at two guys one topic on instagram 
Um, so yeah, fire over any suggestions that you've got, but let everyone know, Liam, what is it we're learning about for the next week? In classic Two Guys One Topic style, we're moving from duty free to Rubik's cubes to the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> nice. The Bermuda Triangle is joining such illustrious listener choice episodes as Death Row and Wush Dishasaurus <laughs> and Michelin stars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Michelin stars. Nice. So yeah, Bermuda Triangle. Well, yeah. Thank you very much um, for that suggestion. We'll get a we'll get a little listener message from them and we'll start learning all about the Bermuda Triangle for next week yep so like Ollie said if you've enjoyed the episode you've enjoyed most of the series now at this point you've got any messages thoughts comments do let us know at two guys one topic but until then get out there and share some Rubik's Cube knowledge <laughs>